This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardoj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan and the Midwest, we're delighted to once again welcome to this program a very special guest, Governor Phil Bryant. Governor Bryant served as Mississippi's 64th governor from 2012 to 2020. Before becoming the state's chief executive, Bryant was lieutenant governor, state auditor, and represented his legislative district in the the Mississippi House of Representative for five years. He completed his bachelor's degree at the University of Southern Mississippi, holds a master's degree in political science from Mississippi College, and before assuming his role as governor, Bryant served as an adjunct professor of government there. As governor, Phil Bryant led Mississippi in implementing transformational public education reforms, promoting economic development, and building a competitive business climate that attracted major employers like Yokohama Tire Corporation, Amazon, and Continental Tire. And according to published reports, I quote, under Governor Bryant's administration, 80,000 jobs were created and some $7 billion in private investment were brought into the state of Mississippi, unquote. Governor Bryant also serves on the Executive Advisory Board of International Leaders Summit and is now spearheading efforts at Bryant Songe Snell Global Partners, where he provides strategic advice and counsel and business development services to some of the world's largest industry leaders. It is indeed our great honor to welcome to America's Roundtable an extraordinary American patriot, Governor Phil Bryant. Welcome, Governor Bryant. Welcome, Governor Bryant. Joe, Natasha, thank you so much. It is a wonderful morning, and the fight continues with President Donald J. Trump. And it is far from over. So thank you for giving us a voice in all over the Midwest and all across America. And what you do with America's Roundtable and the International Leadership Summit, which I was honored to be a part of and continue uh, to uh, be a part of and hope to in the future. They made it. They, America and this nation uh, and the world may need us now more than ever. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you, sir. Election integrity, the sanctity of the ballot, affirms one sacred right to vote in America. Indeed, for us as Americans, it is a basic civil right and affirms the foundational rule of law protecting life, liberty, religious freedom, free speech, private property, and our Second Amendment. And over 72 million Americans voted for President Trump. However, a survey done by Morning Consult, taken just a few days governor shows that seven in ten Republicans say the 2020 election was not free and fair. And uh, Governor Bryan, this was an unprecedented year with China's coronavirus hitting our way of life. Uh, Democrats took full advantage of it by pushing the massive mail-in ballots and universal mail-in ballots for the U.S. election. Now, mail-in ballots are banned in majority of, of European Union countries 
and Israel. Democrats knew, and we warned our audience on America's Roundtable about the problem of sending ballots to the people who did not request them. So now we have dead people voting, double residence duplicate voting, and originally empty ballots that were filled in by corrupt actors. Since our fellow Americans were pushed to accept mail-in ballots in these 2020 elections because of the coronavirus, now we have to take more time because of coronavirus to sort these ballots out, to discard the illegally cast votes and count just the legal ones. This is going to take time, and until all the states are done counting, verifying, certifying and resolving all legal challenges, we have to wait in order to declare the winner. Governor Bryant, what are your thoughts and advice to our fellow Americans who are awaiting the final results of the U.S. presidential elections? Well, I would say to be patient. This cannot be hurried. Uh, the fate of this nation, and I believe the fate of the Western world, depends on a fair uh, process of electing the President of the United States an honest process of integrity, one that people in America can have confidence in. Imagine, if you will, if you swear in a president of the United States and over 7 million people, 70% of that 7.2, 7.3 million people believe that he was there unfairly, that he got there through corruption, that he got there through abusing the electoral process. You cannot. Democracy depends upon cooperation. It depends upon all of us saying, I'm going to follow the rules, I'm going to abide by the laws, I'm going to pay my taxes, uh, I'm going to make sure that when I vote I do so legally. If I have to be out of town or I'm ill, I can cast a, a absentee ballot, but I am not going to cheat. That's what it depends on. But when you have a segment of society that says, we just think that's a get-out-to-vote effort, we believe that somehow these mail-in ballots are fair, even if, the, even if we create those and base it on this COVID uh, pandemic. But imagine where we're at now, Natasha. The, the president was easily rolling to re-election. The economy had never been better in America's history. There was more African-Americans working, more uh, Hispanics, more Asians. Everyone's working. Uh, the economy is on fire. Wall Street's the numbers higher than they've ever been. You've seen... You see companies, corporations, manufacturers reshoring to America. And all of a sudden, we start hearing how there is a China virus. So amazingly, uh, from supposedly a lab, a, a wet market somewhere, this virus finds its way uh, to the United States and around the world to interrupt what would have clearly been a re-election of Donald J. Trump as president of the United States. Now, was this intentional? If it wasn't, it was probably one of the, and these are not my words. I think Jane Fonda said that COVID is the best friend that the Democratic Party has ever had. I've heard that you know, Joe Biden's running mate was COVID. They ran on this. So the Chinese interject through accidentally or intentionally, they interject COVID virus, Wuhan, into the United States. And then all of the media, all of the Democrats, everyone began to blame Donald J. Trump. He could do nothing right, no matter what he did. Even large corporations, it seems, withhold information uh, about a cure, a potential cure for it. They withhold it until a week after the election. 
And then Pfizer comes out and says, oh, it's amazing. Again, look what we found. At the same time, if you've got that plan going, just imagine you're in a dark room and you've got a whiteboard and you're saying, how do we defeat Donald Trump? And you've got the most diabolical minds on the planet. And they say, well, we need to attack him with something like a pandemic. And while we're doing that, let's make sure that the media, social media, is blocking any messages so that the people on Twitter and Facebook aren't able to get the message out about the corruption that's going on in the electoral process in their individual states. Anyone that says it's a corrupt uh, system within their precinct, block that. If there is a whistleblower uh, from the Postal Service, attack him. So we, we put that on the board. All right, social media, attack and defend. Uh, and then we go up and we say, okay, let's let the Democratic Party, first thing we've got to do is use COVID and say we've got to have mail-in ballots. Millions upon millions of millions of people who may not even want to vote, who haven't even requested one, who might not even know the election is happening. And I, I might say that, but I can't tell you how many times I'd run for office and people would look at me a week before and say, oh, is this election time? Oh, yes, yes, it is. Oh, yes, I'm I'm sorry you forget that, but it's election. But anyway, you send a mail-in ballot. And then you you collect them all through any method that you can. You go out and you find these boxes. And and, and then, again, you continue to attack the president. Wall Street starts saying, look, if Donald J. Trump's elected, then he's going to reduce trade with China. He's going to reshore all the manufacturing, all, all our intellectual properties coming back, and we won't be able to sell those cheap products made by the Chinese at a larger price here in America and make billions of dollars. So Wall Street says we want Joe Biden because he likes the Chinese. He's got a China first uh, mentality, and we can make trillions of dollars with him if Donald J. Trump gets elected. Uh, is going to be America first. We can't make as much money doing that as a globalist. And so you begin to cheat. You use a software system that is partially owned, if not wholly managed, by a former Obama administrator, ambassador. So he says, I'll come into the Democratic states and use my software. All of the mail-in ballots now are being counted even six days after the election. If they don't even have an identification on them, the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania illegally, the courts have found, not me, the courts have said Secretary of State illegally acted in allowing unidentified ballots, mail-in ballots, to be counted six days after the election or until they can defeat Donald Trump in Pennsylvania. This is corruption on a massive scale. And the Nash, ABC News, NBC, CNN will look into their cameras and say there is no evidence Absolutely no evidence of any wrongdoing. Uh, This is a a massive fraud, the likes of which we've never seen. Right. And Governor Brandt, as you mentioned, and we also noticed with our partners and friends around the world, we are increasingly looking like a corrupt authoritarian state. Now, the pollsters declared the presidential winner months ago. The media declared the winner a few days after the presidential election without having final results of the election. Our friends in Asia, Europe, Middle East and around the world lack information and are asking us, what is going on in America? 
America. And Facebook labels any content which questions the results of the elections as false. Even the map showing the battleground states awaiting to declare the winner. And there is a pressure building up by some foreign governments for President Trump to concede and elections are not over yet. And this is a very dangerous precedent. What is your take on this with Facebook, Twitter and mainstream media and corrupt foreign governments trying to determine the winner of the U.S. presidential elections? Well, and we've seen Congress act to some extent with hearings and the major players within uh, those social media platforms came and said, oh, we don't think there's anything wrong. Well, we think we're doing exactly right. No, we they took a New York Post article uh, about Hunter Biden and, and sequestered it and hid it and even w- would not allow the media, the New York Post, to report that uh, on, on their media platform. So, again, this is corruption at a horrifying scale because, you know, where would they go under a Biden administration? They will, they will decide what we read what it sounds like, what content you will receive. They will only send you the content they think is uh, appropriate for you to read. This, again, is a challenge within the structure of the United States that must be addressed. Unfortunately, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in the House are not going to do so. We must hold on to the Senate so the two elections with Kelly Laffler and David Perdue in Georgia are so critical. All all eyes are on Georgia. But you're right. Uh, we have been to uh, to Tel Aviv. I've been to Israel on four different occasions. Imagine today, and imagine since uh, the 4th of November, how Israel has felt. The insecurity now of what will America do? Will they remove from Jerusalem the embassy back to Tel Aviv? Will, will they say the Palestinians need uh, proper ownership of a large portion of Israel? I've been all around the world. I was at 32 nations in 10 years as lieutenant governor and governor of 32 nations. What are our friends now in the Middle East thinking? If you notice, there has not been an attack uh, of any substance, and any attack is wrong, anyone injured is wrong, but there has not been a terrorist attack in the last eight years of any substance. There are many ill people who have gone out with weapons and done horrible, dangerous things, but no 9-11 type attacks. Our friends in the Middle East now are secure in knowing that we have a strong America rebuilding our defense with Donald J. Trump, Japan, even South Korea is in a much better position today than they ever have been. But what is China doing? China is saying we must get together with the World Health Organization. We must get together with our friends on Wall Street. We must get together with K Street, all the huge lobbying firms in Washington, D.C. We must get together with our friends who run social media platforms. China is saying we need to get TikTok out there in the hands of every teenager and every young adult in America. You, you, you see where this is the globalists now are working diligently. And the only thing standing between them and world domination has been Donald J. Trump and those of us that have stood beside the president in fighting. I said earlier, it's not easy to stand with Donald Trump. But it wasn't easy for the soldiers to follow a patent into World War II, into Germany, but they had to do so to free this nation from terrorism and from the Axis powers. So we're, we're going to continue to fight this battle. We have victories. There's hundreds of signed affidavits of individuals who saw discrepancies. 
uh, within the electoral process. We won that battle in Pennsylvania. Now, the Secretary of State in Georgia has ordered an audit, a recount. Now, we need a hand recount in Georgia. I think the president can win there. He won in Alaska. Um, these struggles go on, and Michigan court uh, cases are pending there in Michigan. Imagine we won additional seats, some larger number than ever before, and, and the county's not over uh, in the House of Representatives. We're going to maintain the Senate. We maintained and, and even elected more Republican governors. We picked up more state houses in the Republican Party. So people would have to go in and say, I'm not, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden and Republicans on the rest of the ticket. That's a mathematical improbability, uh, if not impossibility. Yet that's exactly what happened by millions and millions of voters if you listen to the Democratic Party. And Governor Bryan, you have said it so well that we need to be patient over these next few weeks as these court cases are, are litigated in the highest courts of our land and also for a recount to take place, the certification of these uh, legally counted votes. And uh, indeed, it requires patience. Now, some on the other side are beginning to suggest that voter fatigue will set in. And however, uh, Natasha and I and a, a number of us, including yourself, cannot help by thinking about America's founding generation and all that they sacrificed for a number of years. They sacrificed their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor to fight for freedom and establish this nation as an independent country. And we know that over the past four years, President Donald Trump implemented a great many reforms, like you've suggested, from tax rates slash for all businesses, criminal justice reform, which was part of your leadership efforts, Governor Bryan, incentives to bring jobs back to America like the U.S. MCA trade deal, opportunity zones, and a great number of uh, initiatives. And this was due to President Trump's leadership, working with governors like yourself in the state of Mississippi. Now, Governor Bryan, what is your message and perhaps challenge to conservative and Republican leaders engaged citizen stakeholders around the country as we face this long process, and how should they show their support for President Trump, and what can citizens do in ensuring that state U.S. legislators stand firm? I think what we have to do is what President Reagan was always famous for saying, stay the course, uh, continue to fight. You know, when Ronald Reagan first came out and said, you know, we have a threat from Russia and the communists. You might remember how he was attacked continually, Let, but from 1964 when he first burst onto the scene with the speech, I think it was in the Cow Palace and beyond, he warned continually of the threat of the Soviet Union. And people made fun of him, and the media attacked him, and he was called old, and he didn't know what he was talking about, and he was a threat to the world. So stay the course. The president also said this is man's last, last best hope, this great republic of ours. So we've got to stand with President Trump. Do not grow tired. Do not grow weary uh, because it is going to take time. But the Electoral College does not meet until the 14th of December. So the Electoral College votes will could not, will not be decided under any circumstances until the 14th of December. So why are they rushing why is the news media pushing so hard? Why have they created this office of president-elect? 
They've done so because they have to win, and they have to win at all costs. Because if they're going to have open borders, if they're going to increase taxes, if they're going to prove that we have uh, systemic racism in America, if they're going to do away with the oil and gas industry and turn to a global power and put China first, they have to have Joe Biden to do it. And they will do this at any cost. So we must stand. Now, we will be attacked. I have been attacked. That's okay. I'm a big fella. But unfortunately, as we now see enemies lists that are being put together, think about this, Joe and Natasha. They are saying, and look, your names are probably going to be on it, a representatives of the United States Congress uh, on social media say, are we keeping a list of the Trump supporters? Do we know who they are? If we've got this true, if we've got truth panels that are going to go out and question these Trump supporters, one member of MSNBC's news program or editorial program said we need to round up the Trump supporters and take them out of our society. Now, this is the next step that Trump supporters need to remember because probably Kamala Harris will have an opportunity with Joe Biden to appoint every U.S. prosecutor and every district across America. That is the authority of the president of the United States. But who are they going to target? Who will they be coming after? I mean, this is a real concern that we must have. Is there an enemies list? Are we on it? Will, will federal authorities be utilized to help identify and target those individuals that supported Donald Trump? For the first time in my lifetime, now perhaps this happened in the 1800s. I, I, can't, I can't ever imagine this happening. But this is being discussed as a reality that, yes, there are serious people who get paid by MSNBC to be on television to, for an editorial program, say we need to round up Trump supporters and remove them from society. Uh, members of the United States Congress are openly talking about can we identify these individuals? A prosecutor in New York is demanding a list of the National Rifle Association membership. And why would you want a list of the NRA membership if you weren't trying to target them, if you didn't plan on going after them? This is a real concern, and when that happens, then you get a breakdown of civil order and society like nothing we've seen since the Civil War. And that is my fear. I love this nation. Tuesday was Veterans Day, and uh, my father was a CB who fought in Marshall and Quasino Island. He went off to war so that I might have the freedom to vote, that I might have the freedom to run for office, that I might have the freedom to speak my mind that I might have freedom to challenge institutions and say, I want to know what really took place here and not to allow a truth committee organization, a Nuremberg-type group that will be putting Trump supporters on trial of some kind. And look, I'm not making this up. I'm not one of the, you know, the tinfoil hat guys. This has been talked about by substantive individuals in the media that say we need truth courts to try, to put on trial, if you will, uh, supporters of President Trump. This type of language has not been used in America in my lifetime, or anyone's lifetime. This really seems to appear like an Orwellian society, or like what Joseph Stalin did in the former Soviet Union. 
That's right. And this is a glimpse of communism or socialism. And we see that happening. And it's very, very dangerous path we're taking uh, because authoritarian regimes and mafia states, including the corrupt governments, have used fraudulent elections to come and stay in power. And I would still say that fortunately we live in the United States of America, which was founded on the principle of the rule of law, separation of powers and checks and balances, and the bottom-up approach to elections, which excludes the media. The U.S. media is not a branch of government, nor has the consent of the governed. And by prematurely proclaiming the victor, it is overstepping its boundaries to provide unbiased news and information. They can't call an election. That's right. They can't determine who the winner and loser is of a presidential election. They simply should report it. Barely. Indeed, and basically we have seen this voter suppression uh, taking place over the past few months, and we also know that uh, even the Wall Street Journal stated, and I quote them by saying, Biden had no election coattails, and the blue wave that Democrats promised came nowhere near materializing, unquote. But we also realized that 72 million people voted for President Trump. They were opposed to socialism, and that in itself is a good sign. Oh, absolutely. Let's just look at this election. And I've I've been elected five times in the state of Mississippi. Just the basics. Joe Biden barely campaigned. He rarely came out of the basement. If he did, he spoke to a parking lot of automobiles. And, and in one instance, they had to go out and lease automobiles and put staff members in it to make it look like there was a crowd. You can see the video, and every one of them is a Jeep Cherokee from the local automobile rental facility, so he had to go rent a crowd. And yet, we're being told he's win- he won this election by millions and millions and millions of votes. None of this makes any common sense for anyone that's ever elected. You know, as we saw President Trump coming out to huge crowds at rallies, rally after rally after rally, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people collectively in those rallies, yet... We're told he's lost. I was in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday night, and I, I was there. And we were watching the returns and getting early returns, and we were, we were excited. It was looking even better than in 16. And about 10 o'clock uh, Eastern Time, Fox News said it appears that Joe Biden has won the state of Arizona. And everything stopped. And we said, what just happened? What, what was that? I mean, it was 8 o'clock, I believe, in Arizona. It just barely eight o'clock. The polls are just barely closed. I think people were still in line trying to vote in California, maybe Arizona. I've, I've heard, but all of a sudden, Fox News decides that Arizona, Florida had just barely closed out. I don't know that they had not called Georgia, but they called Arizona. You know, all of these things. If you just put them down on the list of strange or Orwellian things that are taking place. And again, we go back to what was my whiteboard look like? And then I say I need riots in the, some of the major cities in America. So we need looting and burning and discourse so that the American public will, will get confused about where the rule of law is at and is there a rule of law anymore. And so I put that on my whiteboard, riots, looting, burning, discontent. If this was not a well-organized, funded plan, there never has been one. This was carried out in military precision, funding, buses, equipment, signs, Uh, umbrellas need to be delivered, food and water need to be dropped off, bricks 
pallets of bricks need to be delivered to the rioters. And the media says, oh, there, don't, that's just a crazy idea. Uh, don't even bring those types of things up because we're going to discredit you and discredit anyone that says this. You're right. This is Orwellian if there ever has been one. I lived as a child, just as a child, through the civil rights eras in Mississippi, through segregation and Jim Crow. And that's what happened. There was a separate form of justice, a separate system of justice for African Americans and whites in Mississippi and in the South. If you were a white, you got a jury of your peers, mostly white, white judge, white prosecutor, you were protected. And now, if you were African American, you had to go in that same criminal justice system, all white jury, white judge, white prosecutor, you were going to prison, and whether you're innocent or guilty. And now we see that. That criminal justice system is treating people differently. That electoral process is treating people differently. So if you're a poll watcher representing Donald J. Trump and you go into Philadelphia, they're going to throw you out. And everyone that is in there counting polls is going to stand up and applaud and cheer. And they're going to have their Biden hats on. This is a separate system of justice that is being affected now on the Republican Party and on conservatives, and it will not stand. African Americans, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, other great American heroes took to the streets, went to prison, <clears throat> took the abuse, because they knew that there had to be a fair system for all. Justice denied to one has been denied to all, and justice is being denied to Republicans and conservatives and President Donald J. Trump today in America. Governor Bryant, we truly appreciate your principled leadership in the state of Mississippi and throughout our country, a standing firm with President Donald Trump. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us on America's Roundtable. Thank you, Governor Bryant. Thank you so much. God bless y'all for what you do. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.